We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Opt into this promotion on BetMGM's app or the website because with one game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game from tons of bet types, including team and player props. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one-game parlay wager of four legs or more, and you'll get up to 25 bucks back if you miss one leg. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older. Illinois only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Reward to issue is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or it's 1-800-426-2537 or text ILGAMB to 53342 in partnership with Paradise Hotel Casino. Hi guys, it's Mark. Are you struggling with erectile dysfunction? Did you know that a major medical breakthrough is available and it isn't a pill? Today, Wednesday, March 8th, we're running a one-day special you won't want to miss out on. Edgebrook Medical Clinic uses the most powerful form of wave therapy. This is a technology clinically shown to repair blood vessels and improve blood flow. It's backed by 60 clinical studies, including from Cambridge. If you're ready to regain that spark in the bedroom today is your day call us now and you'll qualify for the assessment and ultrasound totally free you'll also get a gift that can produce rapid and powerful results in the bedroom in minutes you're gonna love that one guys trust me and today only we're offering five tune-up treatments to our patients free this is an unprecedented offer worth hundreds of dollars but call today and qualify totally free call 312-481-3333 that's 312-481-3333 guys put a stop to your erectile dysfunction and get your life back. Call Edgebrook Medical Clinic now to qualify. This offer ends today, Wednesday, 312-481-3333. Three people you should be 100% certain about. Your barber, your plumber, and your tax pro. Switch to Jackson Hewitt and you can be 100% certain about your taxes. We'll get you your maximum refund guaranteed and we'll back your return for life. Don't be kind of certain or almost certain. Be 100% certain. Switch to Jackson Hewitt today and get 50% off tax prep. Limited time offer for new clients filing at participating locations. Max value $200. Visit jacksonhewitt.com slash 50 for terms. Cloudy skies tonight and a low around 35. Weather brought to you by Total Wine and More. At Total Wine and More, save big on what you love this month with hundreds of deals on amazing wines and spirits. Love what you find at the lowest prices only at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly. Be 21. The biggest draft in Chicago history is coming. April 27th through the 29th. Will the Bears stay at one or trade down. The score will have the most comprehensive coverage all offseason long. We are Sports Radio 670 The Score. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score! Hey, John Boy, how's the weather? John Morosi. JP can provide some clarity as to what went on. JP. Bob, I will do my best. Columnist for MLB.com. Morosi. Where is where is Jeff Passan in all of this? Uh, here's uh, John Morosi. Where is Jeff Passan? Should we just man? call Jeff Passan right now? Yes, just call him. Fox Sports baseball contributor. JP Morosi had it first. How you feeling, Padres fans? MLB Network Insider. Aaron Judge back to the Yankees. John Morosi was the first to report it, and it is true. NBC Sports contributor. 
see the USA on your chest, like, who do you think about? Yeah, it means a lot. It means everything. Um, you know, you're playing for your country. You know, I think four years ago, I regretted not doing it. And, you know, as soon as they mentioned something, you know, I told Tony I wanted to do it. Sean Morosi. I'm so happy I can't lie to you. It's the best moment of my life. All the fans who are here supporting me, it means the world. With Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Another baseball season, another year with John Morosi as a national contributor to the Parkins and Spiegel Show on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. JP's in Scottsdale with Team USA. You just heard him talking to Mike Trout there. No big deal. What up, Morosi? Doing great. I, I do think this is therefore the first ever World Baseball Classic in my career as a contributor to the Parkinson Spiegel program. So I, I think this is a new era, a, a new chapter in our story on this show, and I'm honored to be reporting here from the national team camp in Scottsdale, Arizona. All right, so put Mookie Betts on the phone. <laughs> I will do my best. Can I tell you what, what Mookie was doing yesterday? Please. He was turning double plays at second base <laughs> because he is just flat out one of the best athletes our country has ever produced. 300 bowler. He can play infield, outfield, MVP, and he's wearing number three instead of his usual 50 out of respect to the veteran Adam Wainwright, who gets the ball in the opener of the WBC against Team Great Britain on Saturday. But, yes, there was a moment where I saw Mookie Betts talking with Mike Trout and Team USA coach Ken Griffey Jr., a lot of hits in that conversation. Man, that, that's tremendous. We know how much you love this event. Is this event this year stacked at the top better than any other edition of the event in terms of the quality of Team Japan, the quality of the Dominican Republic, and the quality of Team USA? Is this the best it's ever been? Yes, this should be the best tournament in the history of baseball in the world. Period. Full stop. The best because we've got the most talent. Uh, we've never seen a player like Shohei Otani, period. And, and now you see for the exhibition games in Japan, sold-out crowds, 55,000 fans cheering and chanting for three hours straight. And now we've got number 27 is Mike Trout, the captain on Team USA, along with Nolan Arenado, the reigning MVP in the National League, Paul Goldschmidt. You've got Mookie Betts. You've got Trey Turner. Uh, the amount of talent on this team. And then, of course, as you referenced, the Dominican Republic, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, World Series MVP, Jeremy Pena, Manny Machado at third base. And then I also look at some of the other teams. This is going to be the, be the best team Mexico that we have ever seen with a legitimate, I think, star-studded starting rotation with the likes of Julio Urias starting their first game. Freddie Freeman on Team Canada. I could go on. The, the reality is this should be and is, in my opinion, the most talented baseball tournament in human history. What about Venezuela, Morosi? Don't leave out Venezuela. I know they might not I'm get out of their pool. He said he could go on. <laughs> I want him to go on. He's rolling. Good. So here we go. Team Venezuela is my sleeper pick to make it to the semifinals of the tournament. So if, if you were looking at uh, some of those projections that Danny was referencing in the read previous to our conversation I like Venezuela. I like Mexico's odds, too, but I, I like Venezuela and Mexico to be two teams that surprise a bit relative to where their expectations are. In the case of Venezuela, they reached the semifinals in 2009, and then they've done almost nothing in this tournament since then. The only two teams they've beaten in the last two tournaments – 
with all due respect to my heritage, are Italy and Spain. So they've not beaten anybody from North America or Latin America in the last two tournaments. That has to change. That will change because they've got a contact-oriented lineup. And that is what wins this time of year. It's why the Netherlands beat Cuba last night. It's why Japan has won this tournament twice. And it's why I believe Venezuela, with the likes of Luis Arraez and Jose Altuve uh, and Andres Jimenez, have one of the most potent contact-oriented lineups in this entire tournament. They're 12-1 to 1 right now. I haven't bet them. Maybe I should bet them. I did already. Um, yeah. JP, shouldn't the Team USA have a better game one starter than Adam Wainwright? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so because, honestly, he's, he's exactly, first of all, from a big-picture standpoint, there's a reason he's on this team. And, and veteran leadership matters. What he's done for two decades in the game matters. The respect that he engenders around his teammates, that matters as well. In addition to the fact that he's still been a high-end starting pitcher in this sport for the last several years. Obviously, the velocity has been down. He has talked about that. Uh, I'm not too concerned about it, though. I, I think that his pitchability will be there uh, against Great Britain on Saturday. The Team USA has a very strong bullpen in support of him if, if for some reason, the start does not go well. Uh, pitching, though, is always the issue in this tournament. It is. Uh, position players, and even Mark DeRosa said this to me yesterday, position players, it's a no-brainer to do. Pitching, depending on how your health is, how many innings you threw the previous year, it can be more challenging. And that's why, from an insurance standpoint, why we don't see Clayton Kershaw in this tournament. Why some others, maybe like Logan Webb, who, of course, pitches for the Giants. We're speaking to you here from, uh, from their spring training facility in Scottsdale, Arizona. Some other pitchers could have, should have been here, maybe even Dylan Cease. But the reality is they've got the guys who are fit ready to go and pitch this time early in the season. And I expect that overall Team USA with Lance Lynn potentially pitching a huge game for them. Uh, I, I think they have ample starting pitching to navigate this tournament. JP, it's the beginning of the tournament. It's a time to focus on some stuff. Uh, and one very weird team I want to ask you about. Most times, European teams, maybe they'll have MLB players of their descent. Your team, Italy... <laughs> Your team Italy has Matt Harvey on the team and Vinny Pasquantino and David Fletcher. Uh, we know about Israel and Jock Peterson and Matt Mervis and stuff. But tell people about the Czech Republic, would you? Because they appear to be just a bunch of dudes from the Czech Republic who decided to try to play baseball, and they're actually not bad at it. It's kind of amazing. They're pretty good. And, and I, I, I want to mention this name first, Mike Griffin. Mike Griffin is a Canadian baseball, longtime baseball coach. He was a player for a while as well uh, on the Canadian junior national team. And when his playing career ended, he moved over to the Czech Republic, which I would highly recommend anyone to do because it's an amazing country. And uh, he, he basically founded uh, the, the baseball federation as we know it there. Uh, by working with the players, a lot of grassroots work that he's done there. Some players that have been able to come over and, and pitch in, in, major, in, in the minor leagues, at least, uh, through that system. Actually, they, they almost had someone reach the major leagues, a, a longtime minor league catcher by the name of Martin Cervenka, who is expected to play on this team as well. Eric Sogard, who you remember, of course, from the Oakland Athletics, uh, Sogard is someone that, that is on this team. Uh, th there's an expectation that he will uh, be one of their main recognizable faces on this team. But the reality is that, that through European baseball, and this is where tournament baseball gets to be really interesting. The one advantage the Czechs have that almost no other team has 
is a strong regularity of playing together. And while the European championships aren't the same as the WBC, when you play together and, and grow up together and have the same cohesion, it can matter in a short tournament, even when the talent deficit is substantial, which it will be likely in terms of raw talent for Team Czech Republic. So, yes, you've got some guys that are in their own communities, firefighters or attorneys or educators, but many of them play in the Czech Extra Liga, and, uh, which is, is competitive in areas like Brno, B-R-N-O. You can look it up on the map, a beautiful place. Um, and so th- there, is, there is a very robust baseball culture in the Czech Republic, and I will add this at the end. There, are, there is also a, an abundance of left-handed hitters on the Czech team because many of them played hockey first, and if you are right-hand dominant, you have your right hand on the top of the stick and play hockey left-handed. And so as a consequence, you also bat left-handed, which is true of a great many Canadian and, yes, Czech baseball players. Wow, we've lost the plot. John Rossi is <laughs> with us. I think we found it. Uh, from Team USA camp. You asked, hey, you, you asked the question. You I asked. I would have a very shallow depth of knowledge in the Czech Republic. I knew you'd know. I hope I proved you wrong. Yeah, yeah no, I, no, I lost the plot. Really, that's what it was. <laughs> you guys were doing a show for each other, and I started reading the press release of Jim Beheim retiring. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the room back together oh, here for a second. Welcome to my life, John. Yeah, um... What can so Major League Baseball is doing a bunch of stuff, and I love it, John. We we've been talking about it a ton. It's the story of this baseball season: pitch clock, uh, you know, defensive shift alignment, number of times you can call timeout, when you got to be in the box by, bigger bases, all these rule changes to get more action, pace of play, shorten the game, all that stuff, more offense. It's all great. What can Major League Baseball? learn from slash steal from the fan experience, the fun, the culture of the world baseball classic. Well, and that's, that's just it. And I love the way you frame the question because um, while I support, and I think that the, that overall the, the pitch timer and some of the other modifications will be very good for the game. It's amazing that when I have traveled the world, I've, as I've been fortunate to do in my life and, and cover baseball there, I've never, caught a sentiment in a ballpark when I've been around the world where, where anyone has suggested, wow, baseball is boring or needs to be fixed. They've never said that. When there's 55,000 people in Japan singing a song, a different song for all nine players in the lineup, every time they come to bat for nine innings, it's not boring. And when you're going to a game in Mexico and there are horns and musical instruments everywhere and passion everywhere, it's never boring. And so I think that, honestly, Danny, the reality is we need to continue to take the game globally, and we need to, to welcome fans of all backgrounds and cultures and, and embrace what they bring to the ballpark and, and encourage them to be themselves when they're at the ballpark. That, that, that I think the, the more, uh, I think, cultural inclusiveness you can have to make people of different backgrounds comfortable at the ballpark and welcome there, and also, let's be honest, in terms of broadening the, the scope, ticket prices, the ability for a family of five to go to games. This is, these are all real questions. And I think that once you get families into the ballpark um, and, and you ask them, Hey, let's, let's be ourselves here. Let's, let's bring whatever makes you special into this ballpark. That's what the WBC is because a lot of the players to what you mentioned that they may be representing Mexico or Israel or Italy, 
They're from the U.S., but they also represent their families to a large extent. And everybody that lives in the U.S. has a family story of some kind. And, and I think that's, that's what makes this tournament special is, yes, often the games take place in the U.S., but the cultures are a, a true melting pot. And I think the more that baseball can market and truly market, bring the game to these places, visit them both within the U.S. and without, I, I think that's the key to, to making our crowds on a day-to-day basis look more like our country. And I think that baseball does have some work to do in that regard. It's uh, understandable why you love this thing, John Palmarosi. I'll be among those waking up early tomorrow morning to watch Japan uh, play in the World Baseball Classic. Hey, hey, with all the new rules, um, is there something that you think a team or multiple teams are holding back as gamesmanship, as a counter that they're going to unleash on opening day and that Theo Epstein and the commissioner's office are going to have to respond to then? That's a great question. I, I, I don't think that there's a, a clear hitch in the plans that, that, there's, that it's going to be exploited. And if it is, I'm sure we'll see a memo go out on day two of the season that addresses it. But what I will say is this. I think that in time, the most the, it has the potential. I, I'm really... I'm really a believer in this. The potentially greatest move here is the bigger bases and the restrictions on throwing over. Because if you cannot control the running game, if your pitchers aren't quick to the plate, and if your catcher can't throw anybody out, you're going to have a lot of problems. And, and it's going to affect everybody's confidence in the whole ballpark. And so that, to me, is the big question. Who is well-situated to take advantage of, of that and, and how does that change the way the game looks on the field? I, and there are probably, to your point, Matt, there are probably some teams that know that they can steal bases that are not letting their guys run wild right now because they don't want to give too much away in the scouting report. But trust me, I think there's going to be some guys who are figuring out first and third ways to draw over additional throws, which, which results in a balk. A lot of speed. Speed is now going to be, in my opinion, the one of the seminal tools of this sport. And the teams that can run the bases – are going to have a huge advantage in 2023. Last year, during all of spring training, there were 300 stolen bases. We're less than two weeks into spring training. There have been 303 stolen bases. So attempts are up. Success rate is way up. Uh, I agree. And it's going to affect how rosters are built over the next few weeks as well. Yes, I I love it. And, And again, part of this whole idea is to bring in the best athletes to our sport. Uh, with a 26-man roster, the 26th player can be someone that has the running tool, that, that can pinch run, that can get involved. Uh, and obviously, without the shift, that prioritizes a really good defender up the middle who can cover a lot of ground. The other point, and I know we've talked at, at different times about different sports, this to me, this tournament always sort of opens up this big conversation point about where we are at as a country competitively, participation-wise in baseball. I looked at the most recent data, even for that age six to age 12 range, there are more kids in this country playing baseball and softball, like more than a million more than play soccer. And it's even a larger gap than American football. So while there are justifiable questions about the sport, my point is time and the scoreboard and where society is trending, I truly believe is in favor of baseball. It's, it's exactly what's happening right now in the undeniable data between ages 6 and 12. There are more kids playing baseball and softball than, than those other two main sports. Basketball, there are more basketball players. But baseball is the second most widely played team sport in this country among young people. Uh, JP, 
<laughs> yes, but then, but what happens when they become twelve to eighteen? It's it's still baseball is still if you add up if you add up baseball and softball between twelve and eighteen, there are still way more players in baseball and softball at the youth level in our country sure. than there are right. tackle and flag football players combined. Half of those players are ineligible for Major League Baseball, though, for the record. Right, but. But I, listen, I'm with them. I'm I, with them, though. Ah, uh, you guys are romantics. And, and, and I've never made the argument that baseball's dying, but that's just a, I, I, that's an inter- it's an interesting I, stat for you. No, JP, man, honestly, it's so awesome <laughs> that you're back on the show this year. And uh, we ju- uh, our top text uh, from Doug and Gray's like best WBC spokesperson ever. He's got me wanting to watch. Thank you. Your uh, your passion Excellent. is infectious, man. Thank you, sir. I love it. Our first glimpse of Team USA is actually tonight, 9 p.m. exhibition game against the Giants, and you, you can actually watch it on MLB Network. So there you go. We, we have it for you. All ready to go. All I right, buddy. It. We'll talk to you before opening day. Thank you, sir. All the best, guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank so much. You. Thank you. That's a funny stat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of kids play baseball. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. problem is the diversity of people trying to play baseball. Do the best athletes in this country play mm-hmm. baseball? And, yes, to your point, the, the, the softball players are yes. not eligible to play in the major leagues. How about the speed numbers, though, that, that I gave him there at the end? And I think his point is exactly right. And that's part of why I think Billy Hamilton's going to make the White Sox. Um, I, I think that uh, the Cubs are going to look at guys to, on that bench to make sure they're fast. The idea of pinch running somebody in a big inning and letting them take advantage with two stolen bases, it's going to be very, very possible this year. Uh, huge breaking news in the world of sports, and uh, it affects me and impacts me in like weird, conflicting, personal ways. Uh, we could talk about that coming up before your uh, 16th favorite baseball player of the last 30 summers. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Jim Beheim. He knows Billy Donovan well. He coached against Kobe White. He's a hoops junkie. Jim Beheim's a hoops junkie. Jim Beheim, hoops junkie. It's been a long time since I've talked to Jim Beheim. He's a complete hoops junkie. Jim Beheim. I, I know you're a hoops junkie. I'm a basketball junkie. There was nothing better. Yeah, if you if you talk basketball with him, he I mean he called himself a basketball junkie six times during that conversation. Basketball junkie. Look at you, your nose is running, you junkie. You promised me you wouldn't do that anymore. I did then. <laughs> He's gone, and we couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah, it's official. After a first-round loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament, Jim Beheim goes out and retires. This was a really weird public year for Jim Beheim. Seemed to be under a lot of pressure and going after people at pressers, and then today was the culmination of the oddity publicly. Yeah, it? well, I mean, uh, going after people at pressers, Jim Beheim's been doing that for about four decades Yeah. Uh, at this point. He, he has L- a little more unhinged this year, as he seemed. A, a little. With more, with more frequency, I he, guess. So he went, he, so he's. Not one sentence on the internet matters. <laughs> <laughs> he. It's like a rite of passage for Bayheim to chew you out at a press conference. He he's very very media friendly to the national media and then he expects 100% of loyalty from the local media, but that's not how it works. Uh but he basically feels like and he wouldn't say this, but he's like 
the reason that Syracuse matters in many ways as a town and a university is because of him oh, and yeah. that program. Like, there's no, there's no reason that Syracuse basketball should be a powerhouse, not that it has been recently, but a powerhouse that has a national championship and a bunch of Final Fours and sets the on-campus attendance record every year when it's in the middle of nowhere in a tundra that gets over 100 inches of snowfall a year mm-hmm. near no major recruiting grounds, you know? But for, he... For sure. He, and they know it. The chancellor knows it, said it at the beginning of their statement, right? We would not be the powerhouse we are today. He, he is and has been and was Syracuse basketball. This isn't like Kansas basketball or North Carolina basketball or even Duke basketball where like, there is absolutely no guarantee that Syracuse basketball will be relevant in five years. Or still be a power, even considered a potential powerhouse program. What kind of faith do you have in Adrian Autry? I, dude, it's... Now, I know. Where's UConn? Right. Where's UConn after Jim Calhoun left? Yeah, it's... And it worked with Kevin Ollie for a few years, yeah, sort of. It's it's hard. It's a, it's a really, really hard thing if you aren't a perennial power that's proven it with multiple different coaches. And it's nowadays... So, Bayheim used to color outside the lines a lot. A lot of NCAA infractions, some slaps on the wrist, some real stuff. Mm-hmm. But he would go get, like, the best kids from New York City, from Baltimore, from D.C., and he'd go get them to play in upstate New York where it snows all the time. And yeah. he'd say, hey, play my 2-3 zone. You can save your energy on defense, and then I basically don't call any plays on offense, and you can just run the pick and roll and get your points and go to the league. Carmelo and, says, yes, I'm in. Billy and, Owens says, yes, I'm in. Yeah, John Wallace, like all, Pearl Washington. Derek Coleman. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie Cycli from Greece. Those are my teams. All, the, all these guys. And he'd get some NCAA violations, but he would be good. And then all, you know, and they would win. And he built this juggernaut. But then he kept getting in trouble. And so then he had to kind of stop cheating. And then all of a sudden, the best players on, his, on the team were his kids. Like, and one of them transferred in from Cornell because uh-huh. of COVID. It's like, wait a minute, the best player on Syracuse is yeah. a white kid named Bayheim who uh-huh. got a scholarship offer to Cornell? And then he That's put, not good. And then he hit another kid in the nuts, and Jim said nothing was wrong. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's just, and then, yeah. like, like, and so, and then the thing is, he's such a stubborn old man, he still wants to keep coaching. This is how his press conference went today. It was amazing. He loses in the first round of the <laughs> ACC tournament today. And he's asked about retirement or what's going to happen, and this is how he handles it. But uh, I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I I think you missed it. I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William William Payne figured it out. Are you saying right now that you're, you're, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're I not saying... I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you, you're not sure whether you're... When will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. Wow. There's no way to know. Wow. And then 10 minutes later, Syracuse basketball put out a clearly planned press release 
Adrian Autry to take helm of men's basketball as Jim Beheim's story career comes to end. Who's uh, who's quoted in that piece? I see the chancellor. Yeah, the cha- the chancellor, top. the athletic director, oh, yeah. and Adrian Autry, and, and no quotes from Jim Beheim. Huh, I don't it, find his little bit cute or funny at all. No, like he's kind of like an arrogant bitch. Uh, he the, yeah, the more yeah, the more you lose, the more you come off like an arrogant bitch. Yeah, absolutely. The more you are a a shell of your old program and you complain about NIL because everybody is doing the stuff above board that you used to do below the board. Yeah, it's ugly. But that was fascinating today. It's like it, it that sounded like a government coup. He, he just sorts. he just does he does he wanted to go out on his terms and they said no you'll go out on our terms yeah and I think that he kind of wanted to be done but he wanted to be done with fanfare and being unquestioned and there's a ton of Syracuse alums that have been sick and tired of the act for a while and the losing like in Adrian Autry in the press release it's like they've gone to the NCAA tournament in seven of his twelve years that's not. Those are Bayheim's twelve years too. Yeah. Like the, go, missing the NCAA tournament fifty percent of the time uh, for Syracuse over a twelve-year period is crazy. The only reason it hasn't become a complete laughing stock is because they've made deep tournament runs. Mm-hmm. They went to the Final Four in twenty thirteen, and they went to the Final Four in twenty sixteen when they had that upset run here at the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight yeah. at the United Center uh, w- when they were here. So, still a good tournament coach. Unbelievable. A legend of the sport, did something for that program in my alma mater that no one ever expected him to do. And honestly, pretty good to student media. Really tough on you. Yeah, but, but he would, but probably he, helped student media. But, but, he, but he would treat you like pros, and he would say all the time, he's mm. like, we're known for our basketball program and our journalism school, and so if these guys want to go be professional journalists, I'm going to treat them that way. But he he will go on with student media. Like, he will let you into the press conferences. He used to let you into the practices. You could answer questions. He used to call into the postgame show. That I did. He'd be driving home, mm-hmm. and I would be. This is when I wasn't a student. It was when I was working there, like a year after college. And he, I was just like questioning why they, he didn't name one of the guys like a starting point guard. I was like doing the old like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two point guards, you have none. It was an idiotic point. And he was like, Danny, you could drink as long as there was no press. You could dribble the g- ball across half court. It's like, <laughs> oh, thanks for calling in, Jim in Syracuse. <laughs> so. I like the guy, but it was well past time for him to go. Boy, I'm surprised uh, with all that interaction with Syracuse media that more of you guys haven't done anything successful in the business. Yeah, I know. You know, there's, you'd there's think it would have given a, given some kind of training ground if uh, if he's part of things yeah. like that. So he's out. It's a weird. Um, When's the memorial? When are you guys from the secure Syracuse <laughs> Chicago media all getting together to tell your sob stories? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna miss him so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the group chat's lighting up right now. We're gonna we're gonna light some candles. We're gonna go to a bar. Oh, tell me about when he called your post game show. No, tell me about when he called your post game show. Everybody tell me about when he said something mean to you. Oh yeah, he said a mean thing to me too. Oh yeah, he totally fret boyed me up. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. We all have our stories. Badge of honor. Yeah. Badge of honor. Let me tell you about Emerson College basketball. Please do. Please do. Now I got nothing. Uh, Rayon Thomas was pretty good, and he played uh, with Ramil Robinson in high school. And Larry Potash of WGN Morning News was was on the Emerson team that year. There you go. Yeah. Fun fact. That's cool. Not that fun. No. Um, But, you know, it's an interesting time because it's weird. Like, you look up at the top 20 in NCAA hoops – and Duke is nowhere to be found, and North Carolina is nowhere to be found. I guess Duke is right there at 21, but Carolina's having a terrible year. Michigan State way out of the 
the mix this year uh, at the top. But, I mean, there's still a little time, obviously. But, like, some of the Blue Bloods are still there, UCLA and Kansas. But there's also, you know, Houston is a perennial powerhouse. Purdue and Texas. Some of these teams, obviously Gonzaga, who won, what, their 19th WCC title in the last 20 years? Out- outrageous. Yeah. But, like... It's a now. It's not a matter of the tradition and the recruiting channels and the old school way. It's like who has converted to name, image, and likeness above board the best from all the old cheating ways that everybody used to do it. Who has converted the best? Alabama has converted well. Houston was like, oh, okay, we can just do this and report it. Sure, <laughs> let's talk to our tax lawyers. They'll they'll find a way to do this in the proper way. Like it's yeah. those kind of logistics is what now separates you in terms of being able to recruit. And he did not keep up in any any way. Exactly. Your sixteenth favorite baseball player. He's been in town for thirty baseball seasons. This is number thirty-one. He's a multi-level baseball person, and it's a present-day high-level pitcher. It cracks number 16 on Speaks' list. Next on the score. It's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400. But Big Frank, you can't put it on the board. Yes! Here comes the hook. Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Sobrano has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. 30 baseball seasons, 30 players, and 30 shows leading up to Spiegel's 31st opening day in Chicago. He's got a proprietary system. They're his favorite. They're not the best. They're his favorite. Alfonso Soriano was 30. 29, Ray Durham. 28, Carlos Lee. 27, Ryan Sandberg. And you've got to put him there at 27, even though it's a Hall of Famer. He didn't see the whole career. It's only the last 30 years. 26, Maglio Ordonez. 25, Kyle Schwarber. 24, Big Z, Carlos Zambrano. 23, Blackjack McDowell. 22, Ryan Dempster. 21, Tim Anderson. 20, Alexei Ramirez. 19, Jermaine Dye. 18, Aramis Ramirez. 17, Robin Ventura. Number 16, Lucas Giolito. We get current. Got to divorce yourself from the moment. Think of the big picture arc. If he was healthy, he would have been number one overall in the 2012 draft. But he went number 16 and then had Tommy John surgery under the Nationals' watchful eye. Got to the bigs eventually in 2016, pitched in six games down the stretch in Washington, and arrives here along with Dane Dunning and Ronaldo Lopez in exchange for Adam Eaton. The very next day, Chris Sale goes to Boston for Moncada and Kopech and two others. Woo! Big moment. He starts in Charlotte in 2017, eventually hits the bigs with seven shutout innings in late August against the Tigers. Seven starts down the stretch in 2017, a 2.38 ERA, all the hype in the world. The first real emblem of Rick Hahn's pivot away from being mired in mediocrity, supposed to be him and Carlos Radon for the future of the rotation. 
And Giolito had the Hollywood parents, had the great smile, had the good looks, and the first-round pedigree. Then in 2018, you may have heard Kirkland brand Stephen A. Smith tell you what uh, his season was like. Lucas Giolito, 2018, worst pitcher in baseball. The worst. Awful. And Was it Herb who called him Stephen B. Smith? That's it a, had to have been, yeah. That's a great line. That is a great line. I, 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 I want to credit it. That, is, that is a great line. That is absolutely perfect. Um, it's what came after that that moved him up my list. The transformation. Here's what he changed in the offseason after 2018. A, his mental approach, which he said was the most important. B, his delivery from big and slow to a quick slide step. His body using the core velocity belt. Where he positioned on the rubber. And most importantly, the arsenal. Ditched the two-seamer, went with the four-seamer and the changeup. I've said this before. I learned more about pitching from his transformation and the way that a pitcher needs to be the CEO of his own company from that than anything else. He had to go outside the organization, but be careful not to alienate the organization. And Lucas was and is so smart and clear and willing to talk about it. So valuable for baseball observers and baseball media and enjoyable. Had an all-star season that year. What a great story Lucas Giolito is here in 2019. He said he stumbled into a mechanical change that's changed his world. He's got a short arm delivery. Fastball changeup is a great weapon for him. Tough to hit. And he's tough to pick up. And he throws a lot more strikes now. And so the biggest thing for him turning around, the confidence that he can now do this. And imagine all that expectation bottled up with not a lot of success. Now he's in the All-Star game. That is strike three. And Bellinger could not pull the trigger. Strikes out for the second time tonight. One out. But this changeup that I was talking about, that is a weapon. For Giolito, if you're looking at 96 and you see that kind of pitch come in, just buckles them. Giolito had an eight-start stretch from the 7th of May until the 14th of June with an ERA of 0.94. It all culminated in 2020, frankly, and the pandemic-shortened season is good year in 18, again in 19, and then 2020 real good. And that no-hitter was emotional during the pandemic season. Nobody's here to watch. But everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2 to right field, Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history! It was an incredible high for a guy who had had a bunch of incredible lows. It seemed criminal like where it happened in terms of the environment. But I don't know if likability, I guess that comes under vibes. Sure does. On your proprietary le- ranking. He's so damn high on that list, man. Like just just for that, he is an easy, thoughtful dude to root for. That's the first thing I think about with Lucas Giolito, more so than being the worst in 2018 and then an all-star in 19. In the playoffs in 2020 against the A's, Lucas was dealing a game one starter, pitching like an ace. Lucas Giolito, who's blossomed into one of the best pitchers in the American League, the ace of the White Sox, starting for the first time in his playoff career. Not many A's hitters look very comfortable right now. That guy. It looks like he's playing catch. I mean, some pitchers have that max effort, just look like they're going to come at you with their entire body and Lucas Giolito has a smoothness to him. 0-2. Struck him out swinging. 
Lucas Giolito strikes out the side. He has been perfect with a capital P through six innings. White Sox lead. Six seasons with the Sox, three times in the top 11 for Cy Young voting, one All-Star game, four times, at least 29 starts in a year, at least 160 innings, twice with 200 Ks. And by then, he was storming around the mound like his idol Bob Gibson vibes, babe. I've talked to both his parents on the radio, Rick on Father's (laughs) Day vibes, babe. You can tell he's frustrated with stuff that fans are frustrated with, but he doesn't bust toss anybody, to your point. Teammateship and vibes. Offense slash defense, he gets a seven. Uh, Pitching gets an eight. Vibes, a nine. Teammateship, a nine. Memorable moments, a nine. Gets him to 42 on the scale. Giolito at number 16. I'm a little surprised uh, that some of the people on the text line find that to be such a polarizing selection. People can't divorce it from the moment. Like, remember that I'm, I'm looking at the entirety of somebody's career. It is, there is a, a, a personal, my favorite thing, obviously, but the entirety of somebody's career, and I used a baseline of wins above replacement to even consider people on the list. Like, you got to be good enough to even be considered, especially as you climb. Check out his wins above replacement sometime in the history of White Sox pitchers and certainly in the last 30 years it also caught me off guard speaks when yeah, i came I? in here during transition i asked tanny to remind me who number 16 was said gilito my initial reaction was this high yeah Gee, i wouldn't even put him on the list well i mean i like learning stuff and i like picking up things and that transformation is massive and he's an emblem remember it was him and james mccann that rebuilt the entire game planning within the thing so yeah i hear you and make your own list <laughs> no, 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 no. Now that I've listened to you take the deep dive, I'm with you with Lucas Giolito being on the list. Right. But, like, perceptually on the surface, the way he's performed the last couple of years, you look like, you're like what the hell, dude? Uh, I, I hear you. You know? What about you, Tanny? No, I think uh, this is a great spot for him on the list. I think the the pandemic no hitter was a, was a big moment for Sox fans and his baseball fans in Chicago, I hope. Uh, but also, they've won two playoff games in the last 15 years, and he was solely responsible for one of those victories with his dominant performance against the A's, as we heard there. Uh, but also, incredibly biased because he's such a good guy to the media, and you know he's another one of these guys that is a good face of your franchise, stands up for the right causes, and tries to be a good human. But ultimately, yeah, that, that 2020 season, and generally reliable. And I know my take of... They should offer him a long-term extension. Looks bad now, but I think this year he bounces back, and and sadly this will probably be the last year for him in a White Sox uniform. If he has a good year, I don't know if that take is going to look that bad because he's going to go get it from somebody else, and they might have been able to get out in front of it. Yeah, that no-hitter was very emotional. So, like, and nobody could be at the ballpark, as Benetti said, and I remember that night, like, walking up really close to the TV and just trying to pretend to feel like you were at the ballpark. Well, that's weird. Granted. <laughs> it was one of the first moments of real connection, I think, for a lot of us. Correct. Because like, we, we all were watching. At least Sox fans were, you know. I, I think, I think most, yeah. most Chicago baseball fans were. Dan, you call it weird, end. but you have to consider Speaks is also the guy who literally waves at his television on the last day of baseball. <laughs> he waves goodbye, <laughs> goodbye to baseball. Yeah, also weird. Regular season. <laughs> also so that weird. shouldn't surprise you that he tries to put himself in it like the magic school bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just try to like, take in the glow of the TV. I'm feeling the no-hitter vibes, babe. All right, number 16. 
Lucas Giolito. I do that with Casey Musgraves' music videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to get as close as I can. Go up man. there and get as close as I can. I understand. <laughs> Not sure which one's creepier. I'm the guy who the was in the Dominican. One. I was oh, the guy who, who was in the Dominican looking for a shortstop just so I could get really close and watch him work out. Wow. Uh, you can get some questions in for one last thing. Uh, what I'll be watching tonight it makes me look back, look ahead. Not much of the present, but uh, it's a moment in time for a Chicago sports team. It's next on the score. I forget who's interviewing him. Whoever's interviewing him just baited him. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.